I hope you have your Bibles this morning. Let me encourage you to find your place in 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. Uh, what they were singing about just is just exactly what the wonderful epistle of 1 John is all about. Two things are predominant in this text uh, or throughout the course of this epistle. Number one is the deity of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is 100% God, just like he's 100% man, the deity of Jesus Christ. Number two, the second predominant aspect of this epistle is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's vitally important. So those are the two things you've got to remember when you're working through the epistle of 1 John, the deity of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the hinges on which this epistle stands. Now before I read the text, I want to make one correction uh, that uh, in, in Sammy's visitation. I want to make sure that everybody's right on it and so is the preacher. And that is visitation again today from 2 to 4. And then they're going to take a break and come back from 6 to 8. Okay, 2 to 4, 6 to 8, and then Monday 12 to 2. And then the celebration at 2 o'clock and we'll broadcast that live. All right. Now let me, let me ask you a question this morning as I begin. Here, here's the question. How many of you were born in the south? Would you just lift your hand up nice and high? All right, put them down. How many of you were born in the north? It's okay. You don't have to. All right, thank you. Good. Put them down. That's okay. That's all right. How many of you may have been born in the north, but you were raised in the south? Did that happen to anybody? Okay, all right. You guys are fine then. All right, no problems. <laughs> this kid, just kid, this kid. How many of you were raised, born and raised in the north? Just raise your hand. Is that, okay, okay, very good. So uh, we had two that were born and raised in the north at the last hour, several more this hour. And the reason why I say that is because I just came back from the north. I just came back from Pennsylvania. And have you ever heard the cliche, country come to town? It, it happened. It really happened. I got to Pennsylvania, and I thought that um, I, I wanted to feed the family after we were unloading. Uh, so we unloaded and unpacked, uh, if you would, uh, Alyssa and Ryan, all their stuff in their apartment. And uh, uh, I said, well, what do y'all want to eat? Now, we're, we're 30 minutes from Philadelphia, so I'm thinking Philly cheesesteak, because I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, but my daughter's very unconventional, so if everybody's eating, you know, Philly cheesesteak, she wants a ham sandwich. And so uh, I said, well, what do you guys want? What does everybody want? And she says, Taco Bell. <laughs> so <laughs> what does her daddy do? I go to Taco Bell. So I went to Taco Bell, and I rolled the window down there at the drive-thru, and uh, the lady said, uh, what will you have today? And I said, well, I want some soft tacos. I want uh, some, some hard tacos. Uh, and... Uh, uh, and really, that, that's really all I want, a bunch of them, uh, you know. And she's just dead silence on the other end. And I said, hello. And the lady said, oh, yeah, we're here. Will you just please come around? And so I did. Joe, I came around, and uh, the lady opened the window, and she leaned out, and she said, uh, you're not from around here, are you? Uh, being a, a preacher and, and trying to use my quick wit about me, I, I turned and said, was it my Commerce Tiger's hat that gave it away? She said, no, sir, it was not. That. She didn't say, sir. She said, no, that's not, that's not what it was. I said, well, uh, was it the color of my skin that gave it away? Is that how you knew I went from rent? She said, no, no, it wasn't the color of your skin. I said, well, pray tell, how, how do you know that I'm not from around here? She said, would you just please keep talking. 
in my heart, I said, you do realize, you, you, you don't know this, but you're talking about a preacher here. I'm about to talk your ear off, and the line is getting longer in the back. So as you finally, we, we, we get along and get along there. But I'm telling you, I, I praise God I was born in the South. I, I, I was raised in the South. And here's one thing that I can't get away from. I can't get away from my vernacular. I can't get away from my accent. That's just something that I can't, you know, I can't get away from. Now, there's a lot of people, especially in Hollywood, that would like to try to replicate the southern accent and the southern drawl, and they can't do it. They make us look like dummies. I mean, they just draw it out. How y'all doing? That's not how you say it. You say, how y'all doing? It's just that simple, uh, you know? And so, look, I'm country as cornbread. How's your mama and them? I, I mean, I'm all about all of that. And they look up there, and they're scratching their head. There was this, on the way home, we stopped in Lancaster at this little Amish place, and uh, we were stretching our legs and looking around. The guy said, uh, heard me talking to the family, said, hey, you're not from around here, are you? I said, no, sir, not, 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 not at all, not, not here. He said, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from Georgia, the great state of Georgia. And he thought for a minute, he said, well, I hope you Bulldogs finally beat that Alabama group this year. <laughs> Hey, buzzer, let me tell you what I did. I, I thought about that, that song Kenny Rogers said, saying, he said, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. I looked at that fella and I said, well, maybe today, this year's the year. And I turned around and walked away. I did. That's the truth. That's my wife. I did that. The point I'm trying to make there is there's no getting around it. When you hear me, you know that I'm, I'm from the South. There's no doubt about that. The same is true or should be true when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. It, there, there ought to be within us and outside of us, living through us, there ought to be that beautiful example of Jesus Christ that we can't deny it. We cannot deny that we are born again children of God. And so this is vitally important in the culture that we're living in today because it doesn't take much to be different in this culture today. It doesn't take much at all. As a matter of fact, one of, the, one of the biggest concerns that I have in regards to our culture today is more and more Christians, more and more believers are leaning more towards the worldly side than leaning more towards the biblical side. And we are more adamant and more, excuse me, we're more acceptable, if you would, of things that we weren't acceptable 20, 30 years ago. As a matter of fact, uh, in regards to our culture today, I was speaking to an individual this morning in the parking lot, and, and uh, they're going through a real trial in, in, their, in their situation, in their home, and uh, just simply said this, we did not realize, or he said this, I did not realize how much I've accepted the culture that's out there today just because it's being jammed down my throat. And I would just deny the fact that, well, that's not... That's not uh, uh, that's not who I am, so that doesn't bother me. Uh, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, just because you're not going through what you would consider a trial of faith doesn't mean uh, that you're not experiencing difficulties or it's being jammed down your throat. You are being taught something by the culture. And so my point is simply this. If we want to combat that, we have got to depend upon the Word of God and let the Word of God speak truth into our hearts. And we've got to flesh out that truth from the Word of God so that we might live closer to Jesus and closer to heaven than we live closer to the world. And so the, the question that I have for us today 
is how do we live for Christ in these end times? Well, that's exactly what John had to deal with in this text. So look at what the Bible says in verse number 18. From verse 18, I'm only going to get to verse 28 today. But I want you to see what John has to say about living for Christ in the end times. Notice the text. Let's read it. And then I'll give you three points today to follow up. He says this, little children. I love John. They say John at this particular moment in time when he wrote this was somewhere in his 80s. And he's looking at the church as precious. Now remember the church that he's writing to is in Asia Minor. If you were to look on a map today, that would be present day Turkey. And so he's writing to this present day Turkey culture. And we know what's, what's going on in the Middle East today. Uh, Islam is the, is the primary uh, religion that's out there today. But there are still pockets of Christianity that are out there as well. And so he's writing, if you would, to these Christian churches and he's trying to encourage them that false doctrines and false prophets and antichrists are in the church and they've infiltrated the church and they're trying to change the church's doctrine. And so he says there in the text, he says, little children. He talks about how dear they are. It's just a, a term of endearment. He says, it is the last time. And as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Now, you'll notice the word Antichrist is singular there, but he's not done. Look at what he says in the latter part of verse 18. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So here's the first century church that's encountering some Antichrists, and he's going to find who they, who, he is going to define who they are here in just a moment. But he says they've infiltrated the church, and we need to be mindful of that. Because if they infiltrated the church in the first century, we'd be fools if we didn't think that they hadn't infiltrated the church in the 21st century. You look around, man, there are, there are false religions all around us. There are false doctrines, there's false teachings all around us. And it's very obvious and evident how we can spot them. And he's going to talk about that here this morning. Look at verse 19. He says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out uh, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. They wanted to make it plain. We're not with them. We're not with them, he says. Verse 20. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. So let me pause right there and say this parenthetically in verse 22. Here is the definition of an antichrist. Now remember, he's not talking about the same antichrist that we find in 2 Thessalonians that Paul's speaking of. Okay, He's not talking about that antichrist. He's referring to the spirit of antichrist. That is to say that that teaching, the teaching that is against the Word of God, that will infiltrate the church, that will branch off, that we see today in the 21st century, many religions that exist today. And all these religions have one thing in common. They deny that Jesus is the Christ. So you want to recognize what the spirit of Antichrist is? Then you got to figure out what they believe about Jesus. And we'll get into that here in just a little bit. Notice what he says in, in the latter part of verse 22. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore, let that therefore abide in you 
which ye have heard from the beginning. If that, if that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. He just simply says this. When you got the Holy Spirit, you got Jesus. And if you got Jesus, you got the Father. You got the Father, you got the Son. You got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are in Jesus Christ. Verse 25. And this is the promise that he promised to us. Even eternal life. So we have the promise inside of us. That's why John's going to say in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13... All of these things that I wrote in 1 John, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life. See, the Bible is crystal clear. You can know where you're going to spend in eternity. You can know that. It's not presumptuous for a pastor to stand up, as I'm going to do tomorrow, and say, I know Sammy House is in heaven with Jesus Christ. That man had a radical change in his life. He went from a dead man walking to a live man walking, and now he's walking the streets of gold with Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's born again. He received Jesus Christ. He believed on Jesus Christ as his Lord. Verse 26. He says, These things have I written unto you concerning them which seduce you. So he says, the individuals that are seducing you, that are, caught, that are trying to pull you astray, that are trying to pull you away from the true doctrine of Jesus Christ, he says, these individuals, I'm writing this to you so you will not be pulled away or seduced to follow a false religion. Verse 27, but the anointing which ye have received of him, being Jesus, abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him. When he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. In the first century, the individuals that were infiltrating the church were known as Gnostics. The Gnostics had what they believed was a special knowledge, a special rhema. They did not believe that Jesus Christ, they believed him in spirit. They, they, they did not believe he was 100% God and 100% man. They only believed in the spirit. And they thought in order for you to get to heaven, you had to have this, this secret spiritual awakening. There had to be this fresh touch to come upon you in order for you to be saved and climb their spiritual ladder. And John says, you please, you can't fall for that trick. Because there is no tricks when it comes to Jesus Christ. Jesus was the Messiah. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on Calvary's cross. And on the third day, he rose again, victorious over death, hell, and the grave, that we might have eternal life. And when we repent of our sins and trust Jesus Christ as Savior, saying that he is the Messiah... The Bible says that you have the Holy Spirit deposited inside of you. You receive the Holy Spirit. You have the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. There's one dwelling. You get it one time. That's when you say. But then as you walk throughout the course of this life in this sin-sick world, the filling of the Holy Spirit has to come 
regularly. Because if you don't feed the, the, the spirit man, you'll feed the flesh man. And if you feed the flesh man, you will be distracted and you will go your own way and walk away from the Lord. Now, you think about this for a minute. You can think about people just in our church over the last six years that were here but are not here anymore. Some legitimately have moved away and they've transferred from one church to another. They moved in a different area and things like that. But some still live in this area, bless God, and they've fallen off the face of the earth. They have rejected their salvation. They have pushed away what they said they have believed. They have fallen for the seduction, if you would, of the enemy and they have gone their own way. And so we're finding here in this text that he says, look, if you're going to live as a Christian in the end times, there are three things that you definitely, definitely need to know. Those are the three things I want to give you this morning. So if you have your pens or pencils, your lipstick or mascara, if you're taking notes, let me show you this text and show you what John has to say about it. Number one, the first thing he says, if you're going to live for Jesus in the end times, you've got to have an awareness of the enemy. You've got to have an awareness of the enemy. That's found in verses 18 through 24. And John is saying in the text that we as born-again children of God need to recognize that there is the spirit of Antichrist that's living out there today. And he wants the church in the, in the first century as well as the 21st century by way of application to be aware of the enemy. False teachers can be identified with three key traits. Trait number one, they have an attention to spiritual deception. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 18. He says in the text, little children, in the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists whereby we know that is the last time. Now there are two words I want to point out here in the text. The first one is the word Antichrist. We see that in this text, there are those in our culture today that want to call attention away from Jesus Christ onto a spiritual deception. They talk about fresh ramus today. They talk about fresh revelation. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you that the Word of God, the Bible that you hold in your hand, is the only revelation that Jesus Christ has given us. You should be very weary, church, very weary of anybody that would say, I got a fresh revelation for you. I got a fresh rhema for you. The Bible says there is no new thing under the sun. The Bible says that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, while the application may be coming in different forms, there is only one interpretation of the Word of God. And what the scripture means when it was written at this particular time in this first century is exactly what the text means. And we take that text and we let that text speak to us today by way of application. And so when we do so, we find ourselves in the United States of America living in a culture where the American gospel is one of prosperity and peace. The Bible does not speak of the gospel as being that of prosperity and peace. If that were the case, then why did Sammy die? Why did he die so unexpectedly? Does God not know he's got children and grandchildren that depend upon him? Well, of course God knows this. 
Brothers and sisters, this world is not our home. We are just passing through. We're strangers. We're aliens. As a born-again child of God, I am just strolling through this world, this earth, with one goal, the same goal that Sammy had, take as many people to Jesus with me as I go. There are those that are out there that have this spiritual deception, and they say, no, you come to Jesus Christ, and you get love, joy, peace, all these fun things, and, and you'll have your best life now. Everything will be hunky-dory. Everything will be fine. No. That's false. You come to Jesus Christ, it'll be free, but I promise you it'll cost you your life. I read a story this week about a, a man in Pakistan who was told to renounce his faith in Jesus Christ or face death. He said, I will not renounce my faith in Jesus Christ. And in saying so, his wife said, I'm not having any of this. I'm not going to be persecuted. She divorced him and left, took the kids. In exile, he, he tried to run and get into other areas of the world. And they kept shipping him back to Pakistan. And they kept uh, putting pressure on him. And he finally just said this. He said, look, I'm willing to die for my faith. This is how much I believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I will not retent my faith. And by an act and a move of God, the man was taken out of Pakistan and was able to seek refuge in another location in the earth, uh, in, in the nation, or excuse me, around the world, out of that country. How in the world does something like that happen? Faith. Knowing the truth. But we're living in a day where there are many antichrists that are out there. But let me show you a second word very quickly. He uses the term last time. You see that there? I would underline that word last time. Why? Because, he, again, he's speaking here, if you would, of the last days. The Bible tells us in the New Testament there will be people that will say, Well, you've been preaching about this for years, the signs of his coming. Where are the signs of his coming? You talk about as if he's coming. Where is he? He ain't coming. The Bible must not be true. That's the spiritual deception that's happening in our world today. You see, when John wrote this letter, he wrote this letter from the perspective that he was living in the last days. As a matter of fact, the last days in, uh, include the ascension of Jesus Christ when Jesus ascended up into heaven from that moment in time until the second coming of Jesus. That time period in between is the last days. Again, John is not talking about the Antichrist that Paul talked about. John is talking about the spirit of the Antichrist that has come. And there are many that are out there today. And he says there's this spiritual deception that they give. And they'll say that you've been saying that we've been living in the last days for all this time. And it's just not true. And they reject the legitimacy of the word of God. He says you need to have an awareness of the enemy. The enemy wants to draw your attention off the truth and spiritually deceive you. Number two, let me show you a second thing here. This is fascinating. Not only do we see their attention to spiritual deception, but we also see an abandonment of steadfast discipleship. Look at what the Bible says in verse 19. He says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. You see this? 
Here's an abandonment of steadfast discipleship. We're living in a day, in a culture today, where there are many individuals that are leaving the Word of God. In fact, there's a religious organization that's out there today that says that there's another testament of Jesus Christ. Oh, brothers and sisters, be weary of that. In regards to us living in the last days, we need to have an awareness of the enemy. And having an awareness of the enemy means there's this attention to spiritual deception. Knowing that there's this abandonment to steadfast discipleship. Uh, Evidently, they were those in the church who had been seduced by these false teachers. And once seemingly strong members of the church had now denied the Lord Jesus Christ and had turned to false doctrine. This was uh, discouraging to these early Christians. And and if, if they would abandon the faith, if others would deny Christ, and walk away, how could anyone be assured of their salvation? This is why here in this passage, John continues to show the attributes of authentic Christianity. When you read the book of 1 John, you'll see that he says, if you're a true born-again child of God, then you'll have a love that you cannot deny. You'll have this love inside that you cannot deny. You love the Lord and you love others. It'll just be, you'll be consumed by it. Uh, many of you have heard uh, uh, my testimony, and, and, and this, is, this is the truth. Man, I, by my nature, I'm an introvert. So there ain't, ain't never met a preacher that's an introvert. I'm telling you, as God is my witness, if, I, if my English teacher was alive today, she'd tell you Shane Robertson is the most introverted people person that I know. Ask my wife, she'll tell you, I'd much rather just kind of stay at the house and just be at peace and not have to deal with, with any. I mean, just enjoy working from the house uh, I'll be honest with you, this, uh, uh, when we shut down everybody was inside, I thought I was a little heaven on earth. This is great. Go outside and work all day. I mean, just uh, do what I need to do. Praise God. But when Jesus Christ saved my soul, and he changed me from the inside, and I'm telling you, brother, I can't keep my mouth shut. So much so, uh, Jacob and I were we're talking just a few minutes ago before I came out here. Uh, he just got done. He, he just had his finals uh, this week. and uh, He had to turn in this notebook. He's getting ready for a, a homiletics class, a, a preaching class. He's getting ready for a preaching class. And we were just discussing that. And, and I was sharing with him when I was in Bible college and I was in seminary. Um, I had three different philosophies. I had three different professors that had three different philosophies on preaching. One of the philosophies was when you enter the pulpit, you don't have no notes. No notes. And then there was another philosophy that another professor had that says, well, you come in with a rough outline. And then there was another uh, teacher, a professor, that says, you come in with a full manuscript. And uh, they graded you on, each of their, on their philosophy uh, in particular. And I'll, I'll never forget that in regards to, in regards to that, uh, I, cannot, I cannot keep my mouth shut when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was an introvert, but I studied the Word of God, and I want to know more about the Word of God. And inside of me, I want to preach the Word of God. And now to the point where I just, I just can't do it. I, just, I have to follow my notes because when I don't follow my notes, I stick my foot in my mouth. Don't say Amen. <laughs> The truth of the matter is simply this. We're living in a culture today where there's been a serious abandonment of steadfast discipleship. That's why Chris was promoting our in-home Bible study groups. When you leave today, I hope that you'll go, go out this exit here and turn right and 
Chris will be out there. And I hope you'll inquire about our in-home Bible studies. Or, or maybe you're more traditionalist. Maybe you, you're more traditional Sunday school individual. We, wanna, we, we still have our traditional Sunday school. Maybe that's the route you want to go. I hope that you'll, you'll get plugged in there. But don't lose sight of the traditional Bible studies that we're trying to do, whether they be in-home or traditionally in a traditional-style Sunday school class. There has to be this steadfast discipleship. And if you abandon that, if you do away with that, then you'll find yourself straddling the world. You'll have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And there'll be such a conflict that you'll have to make a decision. Will you follow after Jesus Christ or will you move more into a more liberal view? And this is how people get to a liberal perspective in their theology. There's not a steadfast discipleship. They abandon that. And John said it all these years ago. He said, do not abandon steadfast discipleship. Don't leave your church. Stick with the church. Stick with the expository preaching of the Word of God. Even if you feel like, man, that preacher's preaching over my head. I just don't understand what he's saying. He's talking about sanctification and glorification and lasciviousness and all these things. I just, they're just going over my head. Hang in there. The Holy Spirit that's inside of you is trying to grow you up where we don't have spiritual babes walking all over the place. All they're drinking is the milk of the Word. We need the meat of the Word of God. Why? Because Jesus is coming soon. The abandonment of steadfast discipleship. And then number three, very quickly, I've got to hurry. The third thing we find here in regards to an awareness of the enemy is found in verses 22 through 24. And that is their absence of sound doctrine. Notice what the Bible says in verse 22. He says, who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Look again in verse number 28. He says, and now little children, abide in him. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He's referring here to the deity of Jesus Christ. He's saying Jesus is the Messiah. And those individuals that reject that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, that is that Jesus is the Messiah, they are lying. And when you look at our culture today, listen, there are so many individuals out there that are lying saying that Jesus is, is not who they think he is. So what do you mean, preacher? I'm, I'm talking about Buddhism. Did you know Buddhism says that Jesus was just a man? Well, that's not what the Bible says. But what about Hinduism? Hinduism says many things about Jesus, but ultimately he was just a man. Islam. They believe in Jesus, but you know what they believe about Jesus? He was just a man. How about Judaism? Judaism, and we think about those are those are God's chosen people. Surely they're not going to die and go to hell. No, they're going to die and go to hell. They do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're still looking for the Messiah. So who do they say Jesus is? He's just a man. One of the fastest growing religions out there today is universalism and Unitarianism. We're finding it more and more. People are getting ordained through the Unitarian, the Universal Church, so that they can perform weddings. And when you subscribe to their ordination, you fall underneath their doctrinal position. And what is their doctrinal position? Jesus was not the Son of God. 
And individuals are falling for this hook, line, and sinker every single day. Biblical Christianity says he's 100% God and 100% man. So much so that we're living in an area, of, in a time today where even the Mormons who have this New Testament or this Second Testament of Jesus Christ wanting you to reject the original, what God has given to us, and wanting to adopt and grab on to what they believe. But what do they believe about Jesus? Well, that he's Michael, the archangel. Their name is so deceptive, Eric, that if we're not careful and have an awareness of the enemy, we'll be sucked into this absence of sound doctrine and say, well, we believe in Jesus. Yeah, but they don't believe in the same Jesus you believe. I'm fascinated by the question that I get on a regular basis. Pastor, I know and I hear what you're saying, but here's what I don't, I just don't understand. I don't understand how in the world a born-again child of God could believe that God, who is a loving God, that God, who is a, a compassionate God, that God, who supposedly loves the whole world, why would he send anybody to hell? We find in this passage of Scripture the second part of this sermon. In verses 25 through, excuse me, 25 through 27, we see that he says in the text that you and I as born-again children of God, if we're going to live for Christ in the end times, we've got to be adamant about our faith. That's found in verses 25 through 27. And in the text, what John's going to do is he's going to encourage the church through this spirit of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And so he counsels the church to say, listen, you need to remain steadfast in your faith, in the faith of, in the midst of all these deceivers that are out there. You need to hold fast to the truth. And he gives two truths, two truths that are vitally important into the question that I just asked just a few minutes ago, if God is such a loving God. The first one, he says this. He says, look, if you're going to be adamant about your faith, then you've got to have the assurance of eternal life. Look at what he says in verse number 25. He says, and this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. Jesus promised you as a born-again child of God eternal life. That is not death, hell, in the, in the grave in regards to going to hell when you die. You are going to heaven. That's why it says in 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And so if you know that you know that you know Jesus is the Messiah, you have eternal life. So why is it then that God, if he's such a loving God, why would he send someone who has never heard the gospel, never heard about Jesus, why would that person go to hell? Well, first of all, I want you to clearly understand that God didn't send them to hell. They sent themselves to hell. So what, what do you mean? Let me Take your Bibles and turn over to Romans chapter 1. Let me show you something. This is a fascinating passage of Scripture. Romans chapter number 1. Beginning in verse number 18. Romans chapter 1. Beginning in verse number 18. Look at what the Scripture says here. Paul is writing to the church at Rome, to believers. And he says this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Watch verse 19. Because 
that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead. Now stop right there. Watch this. What Paul is saying is this. When you look outside, when you look out there, you see that there has to be a creator. You may not know his name, but you say this just cannot happen. There has to be a craftsman. There has to be a mastermind. There has to be a creator. There has to be a master painter. There has to be somebody that set this in motion. And he says that points to God, the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The problem is this. It shows who God is, but it's non-salvitic. This is why the Great Commission is so vitally important. Because just knowing that God exists cannot save you. But look at what the text says. The Bible says, in regards to them knowing God, look at what he says in verse 20. In the latter part, he says, they are without excuse. Now that would be harsh if we just left it there. But look at what he says in verse 21. He gives the reason. He says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain or empty in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed, you see it there? The glory of the incorruptible God into an image make like unto corruptible man and to the birds, to four-footed beasts, creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness. That word gave them up means that he allowed. He didn't make you a robot. He says because God is of God that allows you to love him or not, he let them go their own way and he went, they went their own way into this uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And then, look, you read verse 25 and following, it's like you're reading the newspaper today. It's exactly what our culture is going through. The point that I'm making is simply this. How could a loving, righteous, holy God let somebody go to hell that has never heard Jesus because he's just? There was a time when they rejected God. And every heart that hears the gospel of Jesus Christ can either receive the gospel or reject the gospel. You see, God didn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves to hell. God makes a way for us to come to him. And he tells us in this text, the Bible, in the text and over in the book of 1 John, he tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 25, he says, we've been promised eternal life. Who's been promised eternal life? Those that know God. Those that know Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So he says, in regards to these end times, be adamant about your faith. It doesn't matter that they call you Jesus freaks or Bible thumpers or religious fanatics or crazies. Or, or Look, the, the, the closer we get to the Lord's coming, the more heated the persecution is going to be, become. And you think them just calling us Jesus freaks is bad now? Wait till they start throwing rocks at us. Will we stand 
on the truth of the Word of God and be adamant about our faith. Because number one, we are assured of eternal life. Number two, watch this in verse 27. He says, we're adamant about our faith also because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 27. My time's getting away. He says, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. What's he saying there? He's saying when you got saved, when you prayed and received Jesus Christ as your Savior, God made a deposit in your heart of the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit that's residing inside of you knows when false doctrine is coming at you. You know it. Some preacher stands up there and goes, you send me $100. I'm going to send you this sweat rack. I'm going to send it to you. It'll cure all your ailments. And if that don't work, I'll send you this bottle of water that I've been drinking out of. There ain't nothing powerful about my sweaty handkerchief or nasty water that I've been drinking out of. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's going to continue. Watch this. It'll continue to progress. You're going to see more and more of that. I challenged you several weeks ago to watch the show, uh, The American Gospel. Uh, I don't know if you've seen what's happening today, but there's this huge battle going on right now over that movie. And what's fascinating to me is the movie just wants to project the fact that we need to be focusing on the Messiahship of Jesus. That is the true gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet there's huge battle on this prosperity gospel. Brothers and sisters, let God's word be true in every man a liar. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then number three, here's the third thing, and my time's gone. I'm, I'm four minutes behind. Remember, we're talking about living in the last days. How does a Christian live in the last days? How are we doing this? Number one, we have an awareness of the enemy. He's alive. He's, he's well. He's trying to deceive us. Number two, we have to be adamant about our faith. Know that we have eternal life. If you don't know that you have eternal life today, I pray today you'll get that straight. Know that you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon you when you receive Jesus Christ. And then here's the third one. Here's the third one. I close. Verse 27 and 28. Continue abiding in the Savior. Notice what the Bible says in verse 27. In the latter part of that, he says, And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, it is truth. And is no lie. And even, that, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now, and now, little children, abide in him. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, there are three things here I want to point out in closing. The first thing I want you to see is the message. The message is found in verse number 27. And he says this, the message is, you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You don't need to be taught these things. Now, he's not, what, please don't, a lot of people take this and they take it out of its context and they say, well, this right here is the reason why I didn't go to Bible college as a preacher. I, yeah, the Holy Spirit teaches me. That's not what the text is saying. That's not what the scripture says. I think if you surrender to ministry and you say, man, I, I want to, 
I want to serve the Lord. A, a call to serve is a call to prepare. I think you need to do everything in your power to prepare so that you can be a strong soldier in the heat of the battle. And right now, one of the, some of the greatest uh, preparing fields that are out there today are some seminaries and Bible colleges. Not all of them. Not none of them. Yale and Harvard, they used to be strong ones, but now they're, I mean, it's bad. Yeah. But find a good, solid Bible school if God's calling you into ministry and get in there. Don't use this as an excuse not to study. That's not what the verse is saying. What the Bible's saying, the message that he's saying here in the text is, you know when, when false teachers, when they start spewing out that's against the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit will prod you and say, that ain't right. If somebody says, you come to Jesus Christ and you'll have joy, peace, and, and prosperity, you'll have all your needs met, and you'll come out of debt, and all this crazy stuff, man, that ought to hit you the wrong way. That ain't right. Jesus said that it rains on the righteous and it rains on the unrighteous. Which means that there are Christians that are going to go through some very difficult times. And there are going to be lost people that go through difficult times. There are going to be lost people that prosper. And there are going to be uh, Christian people that don't. The only, people, the only people Noah saw come to Jesus was his family. And that was a successful ministry. The message. The Spirit is in there. Listen to it. Number two. The mission. Verse number 28. Look at what he says. He says, and now, little children, abide in him. Here's the mission. Abide in him. The word abide means to remain in a permanent state. That is, stay consistent the way we apply this today in the 21st century. Stay consistent in your church attendance. Stay consistent in your Bible study attendance, whether that be in-house Bible study or traditional Sunday school. Be, be steady, be consistent permanently in your bi personal Bible study, in your personal prayer time. Be consistent in that. That's what he's speaking about, the message, abiding in Jesus Christ. Be consistent in your Bible study. Don't let any of these things slip. Because if you let them slip, you're more adamant to go after a false teaching or a false doctrine. And then here's the third one. Continue abiding in the Savior. You see the message, the mission, and then the master. Look at verse 28 and I close. He says, when he shall appear, we may have confidence. And not to be ashamed before him at his coming. There's the master. He's coming. And he could come today. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Nobody in this church would have thought that Sammy House's time would have been this weekend. None of us thought that. I'm still in shock. You never know. But the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. You have an appointment with death. I have no doubt in my mind that when Sammy House closed his eyes that day, and opened his eyes and took a breath of celestial air in heaven. There was the Savior saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's not how you begin the race that matters. It's how you end. 
how are you going to end your race? Brothers and sisters, we're living in the last days. There's no doubt about that. That's true. Jesus is coming. I believe the next prophetic event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. It's coming. It's going to happen. I don't know when, but I know that it's imminent. It could happen at any moment. But this I do know. You can be ready today to meet the Lord. And you can live every day during these end times and this cultural change. You could live on this earth while your heart is in heaven. All you have to do is come to Jesus. Could we bow for prayer? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and maybe you've never trusted Christ as Savior. I want to give you that opportunity today. If you've never prayed to receive Christ, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you cry out to the Lord and say something like this to Him? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Messiah. Today I repent of my sins. And I trust you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look right up this way. If you prayed and asked Jesus to save you today, I would love to meet you. I'm going to be in a reception room. When you leave these doors here, I'm just going to be right out there on the left. In a, there's a room there. I would love to say hello to you. i got a gift for you. I want to just praise God for your decision. Maybe you're here today and maybe you uh, need someone to pray with you. Room 256, there'll be a pastor in there. Be glad to pray with you if you want to talk to them about a challenge you're having, a difficulty you're having. Just want to talk to a pastor. They're there. Maybe you're here today and maybe you'd just like to get in the altar and pray. We want to open the altar for you. But as we open the altar, I want this to be our response to the message. May our response to the message be this. Father, we love you. We worship you. We adore you. We glorify your name in all the earth. And Lord, we know we're living in the last days. Help me. Help me to be a strong believer and to live out my faith in this lost and dying world. To not just love Jesus in my heart and with my language, but to love Jesus with my life and to help bring others to Him. May that be our prayer today as we sing together. Could we all stand? As we stand, let's sing this song as our response to God. The altars are open. If you'd like to come, you can come. But let's sing together this wonderful song. That's our prayer, that we glorify your name in all the earth as we live in these last days. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a great, great day. Let's exit out this way, please.
And I'd love to see if you've got a few minutes. I have a few minutes. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Excuse me, Wednesday. Thank you so very much for tuning into our broadcast today. It is the purpose of Maysville Baptist Church to love God, love others, and serve the world. One of the ways that we serve the world is broadcasting this program all over the world through the Internet. I want to tell you what a joy it is to have you tune in today. Maybe at the end of the service you prayed and received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Several years ago, I wrote a book entitled My First Week. I would love to send you a copy of this book to help you on your brand new journey as being a born-again Christian. If you'll just reach out to me by our website, send me an email, uh, or maybe even call the church, I'd be glad to drop this in the mail and send it to you. May the Lord bless you for tuning in. I hope to see you next week, and thank you for being with us at
we 